0: come here too actually um Beau has known my mom and dad for uh, for a long time as well so i don't know if you have a funny story or if you just have like something serious but oh but it involves me oh well then you're not allowed to share it it's not allowed to share it. <laughs> my uh, my parents they're they're missionaries in uh the country of trinidad and tobago off the coast of uh, venezuela and um just right that last little country in the caribbean right and so they're suffering for Jesus on the sand, white sand beaches, and, and all that stuff. <laughs> they could probably share that to, to a little bit, a little bit more than that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, a lot of good stuff. I, I took a team a couple of years ago to Trinidad, and that uh, was my second time being there. Just amazing ministry on that island, and the things that they get to do from ministering in uh, in soup kitchens to the poor and kind of like the um, you know kind of like the shanty town type places to churches, and and he gets to you know bless and minister with pastors and leaders all the way in between. And it's just kind of a, just a really cool thing. We've, uh, um, everything from just preaching services to like deliverance from demons and all. I mean, just when we were there, our eyes were wide open. We're like, oh my goodness, there's some incredible stuff going on. And so, um, so you're going to just have a good time with them. I wanted them to give you an update from what's happening in Trinidad. um, But also, um, I wanted, I said, dad, just give us the word this morning. And so he's going to, he's going to preach. He's going to preach his heart out. Um, but they have been, I don't know how many years, but years. What, there, how many years in ministry? Like 40, is that a good sound? 90? How many years? 90? 36 years? <laughs> Sorry, I probably wouldn't do this normally, but no, I probably would, I probably would. 36 years, they, uh, they planted churches um, in, in Arizona, they, uh, they were part of a, of a church in Des Moines, Iowa, they've done all kinds of things, all, um, just all over, and their heart is missions, and their heart is emerging leaders, and so I wanted to give them an opportunity, but I also want to bow, because Bo's known them for a long time. Would you share something about my parents? No, <laughs> nothing? <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, Pam, I had to do that to
1: you. Um, I think the first time I met them, actually it was the second time, we traveled to Des Moines with a master's commission, and um, Pam made us a great dinner, but she used jalapenos, because I think Mike likes them, loves them, you like them, and I thought I'd be a good person, because we were staying at their house, Well, she had to let me stay at her house, because I was friends with her son, and both of her sons, so she had to, but I thought it'd be nice to help cut up the jalapenos, and and so anyways, in that, I don't know if Pam remembers, but I didn't wash my hands after I did it, so then I had to, like, wipe my face, so I wiped both my eyes with them, and so then, you know, Pam had to get me a a nice towel and help me wipe my eyes off and get it good, so anyway, so that's a whatever, but that's part of the story that I can't share, because Jonathan would get mad if I shared the rest of it, and so if you want to know more about it later, you can come later, because I can't share it publicly, and so... and then the other one was, they've just always been like mom and dad to me as an extended parent. Um, and there's been a couple of times where I've called Mike, not a lot, but a couple of times where he's just been able to talk. And, and a few years ago, um, they came and spent some time at our house, and um, we just had a really good time with them. But that's somewhere where they just really invested into us, and uh, Linda and I. And so... Um, Mike and Pam are like adopted parents to me and just uh, great men and women of God where I've been able to just um, pour my heart out and um, they be able to listen and just share back. And so I'm excited for them to be here and looking forward to what God has. So Mike and Pam.
2: I have a soft spot in my heart for Bo, too. A vivid memory I have was in Arizona. We were at the Master's Commission uh, conference with thousands of young adults. And uh, the other son, have you met the other son? Jordan, has he been here? Okay. Anyway, was getting, they were getting ready to get back on the bus to go to Spokane, and we were in Arizona. And Bo, I don't know if you remember this either, but he walked up to me and he said, Mrs. Lombard, I have your son's back. And I... I've never forgotten that, and you have, so thanks.
3: I'm not on yet. Am I on now? Hello? Hello? There we go, there we go. Uh, Just a couple personal comments. Your former pastors um, were were key in the discipleship in our lives. And back when they were uh, on staff at my parents' church for over a year, we were part of several couples that met in their living room, had lunch every week, you know, and some foundational things really developed during that time, so we thank you. And we told Kathy we also appreciate her parents. Uh, in about a month, we go to Jamaica for a week for for ministry, and her parents were... Uh, we're missionaries in Jamaica for like 12 years or something like that, and that's where Kathleen was born, and so uh, we really value them.
2: I just also have to add that Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan, was the child who did ask all the questions, just like Kaylee is asking. And I remember driving in a car, I, I think you were a little older than four, but, um, so, Mom, you know, when did, when did God start? Same question. And so, then I I won't tell you what the question was because it would be embarrassing. Um, But there was a question that I was, a very difficult, deep question I was trying to answer, Jonathan, again in our living room. No, no, it wasn't that. Um, It was about a certain special kind of operation. You remember that? I won't say, because. And so I'm trying to answer his question as best I can. And Mike walks in the door. And he heard the conversation, and he kept walking down the hallway. And I said, I said, excuse me, you know, you could probably help out with this. He goes, oh, no, 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 you're doing just fine. <laughs> so I, I, we have answered many, many deep questions over the years. Keep. What are you pointing at?
3: Kay. I don't know what you mean. Go ahead.
2: Okay. All right, so I'm just going to give you an update on what we're doing in Trinidad. Some of you who have met us before remember that what we primarily went to Trinidad to do is uh, train missionaries from North America. I've gotten sensitized to saying North America because we we say America all the time, but you know there's South America and Central America, and they're Americans too. So uh, from North America to come to Trinidad to train as missionaries. Uh, we do a few more things now after six years, and I just want to update you because some of you give to us, this church gives to us, and it's important to know what your money is doing. I mean, we all kind of like to know that, right, if our money uh, is being invested wisely. Well, we bring, we bring people to Trinidad to train as missionaries for a 16-week intensive. We have trained uh, a woman from South Korea as well who's already back there doing ministry. Primarily, that has been North Americans. Now, opportunities are opening up. We have people from Venezuela that want to come. If we can figure out how to have a Spanish arm to this, because we don't speak a man from Brazil. Yeah, and so uh, we, you know, that's something. And then uh, we're going to Jamaica next month, and we already know that there's people in Jamaica interested in coming to Trinidad for training. And so as long as you speak English, we can teach you. Um, kind of difficult for us to teach you in Spanish right now. But then we have internships. So if a person wants to be a full-time missionary after the intensive, they come back for another 16 weeks. Part of that, though, is not with us. It's either living with a Trinidadian family somewhere on the island with very little contact from us, or they leave the country for four to six weeks, and then they come back. To debrief, and so we have. Uh, we're really proud of our interns, and uh, more than one of them have traveled even with Vince McCarty uh, to different places. Two of them went to Cambodia with him, and are going back to com- Cambodia this year. And so we're excited about that. We also teach Trinidadians. We've taught about 125, t- 30 Trinidadians so far in a missions and evangelism class that is for Open Bible Trinidad and Tobago. So it's a national class. All the ch- churches know about it, and they come together. 90 open Bible churches on the island right now. And uh, so we have that, and we, we are partnering with Trinidad and Tobago for that because they need a larger pool of people to choose from to be missionaries in countries where they're invested. All right, and so then we have, uh, we travel all over the island, and we do classes, we do mission services to any of the churches that want us as long as we can and put it into the schedule, we do it. Uh, we also have been doing trips away in partnership with Trinidad and Tobago. When we went to Trinidad, we saw Trinidad. To, yeah, yeah. Okay, you can say something anytime you want. Just you're get, doing get, wonderful. Get up here. Um, anyway, uh, they have. We have gone to Suriname, uh, teaching leadership classes uh, with First Church of the Open Bible in Trinidad, which is the largest Open Bible church in the world, runs about 4,500. And we've gone with them for that. We have gone to Guyana several times. And in fact, in 2014, we spent uh, almost four months of that year in Guyana. And uh, there, we have an open Bible church there that was struggling and needed some support. And so we, took, we went, and Trinidad paid for our students to come with us so that we just kept doing school there. You know? And uh, that was an, definitely a blessing to be part of that. And then now, next month, we go to Jamaica In partnership with Trinidad and Tobago so that's pretty exciting for us Uh, we also take Trinidadians on missions trips we also have brought many missions trips to Trinidad have people I'm just this week another uh, another church contacted us wanting to come and so we constantly work on missions trips we have found uh, the hard way that we can put about 30 people in our two houses uh, on beds Uh, And, uh, yeah, we've had that many in our house, and we've had many nations under our roof. It is amazing. Maybe Mike can remember, but Aruba, Venezuela, Egypt. Uh, Come on, help me.
3: South South Africa, Germany, Holland, Canada, U.S., Aruba, Venezuela, Guyana.
2: It's really interesting sitting around the dining room table with people who speak four or five different languages, and you're using Google Translate on your phone. You know, you're typing and go like this you know and then they type and they go like this so um, you know it works um, but anyway so and then for the very first time uh... last year last year mm-hmm. uh, um, we actually had new hope christian college call us and ask if we could uh... Uh, receive a young man who needed to do a missions internship and so he came and stayed with us for a month and so that was exciting and we hope to see that more uh, partnerships or oh, we are also beginning to partner with um, the what are they called
3: schools of ministry the schools
2: of ministry that are popping up uh, in, open in open bible, bible. and uh, so rapid city south dakota just called us and we'll probably be skyping in and doing some teaching and next time we're in the states we may even go and do some teaching And uh, we've partnered with two other schools of ministry. So that's really exciting. Uh, I just turned. Okay. And then the most recent thing that we never saw coming was Open Bible Trinidad and Tobago asked if we would be interim pastors for a church that the pastor very quickly uh, needed to leave. He owned a business on the side, and he had to put all of his energies there. And so for the past three months, we have been pastoring a church about two and a half hours from our house. And so it was a, It has been a real challenge, but it's also been a blessing.
3: So. And their service starts at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. So we leave very early yeah, very in the morning early. to get there.
2: Yes. So on the bat on your countertop out there, we have some magnets. If you don't own one, uh, you need one. Uh, we have people tell right. no. We have people telling us everywhere we go. I look at somebody just this morning. Who are you? Raise your hand. I look at your face every day. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we appreciate that. We keep using the same picture, though, so that people think that we're staying young and uh, nothing has changed. Um, And then we have uh, ushers. If you could start handing these out. The, The card, the small card, has all the dates of everything we're doing this year. So take a look at that. And uh, then the the sheet are some prayer requests. You you can read, I'm sure. So read those, and we appreciate you praying for us. You know, it's never just about Mike and Pam Lombard. You know, so uh, the way we break that sheet down is some things about the world, some things about Trinidad, some things about the School of Global Leadership, and ourselves personally. And so we appreciate it. We know this is a praying church. And can I just say, I appreciate uh, this church that I walked in this morning and the atmosphere uh, drew me to worship, the atmosphere touched my heart, and I am really pleased and proud to say that, and not every church that we enter is that way, so I commend you on that, uh, that's awesome. Um, then. Just just a little side note before I sit down. Uh, God is constantly teaching us, and hopefully we're all learning until we draw our last breath, right? That's the point. You know, it's hard for us to even think about, we've talked with Jonathan and Becky a little bit about when do we retire, what do we do after Trinidad, and all of those things. And, you know, I just, I, we just keep going one foot in front of the other. I don't, know, I don't know what that all looks like. But there's so many things that God's bringing our way in open doors. Um, one of the things that God has taught me in the last year is um, the hurdles, or sensitized me to, maybe I should say that, the hurdles that some people have to go through to get to an altar to say yes to Jesus, or to get to the place in a conversation, even meeting them with, for coffee, to say yes to Jesus. And I think sometimes, we, I understand it's a supernatural work, okay, but when we see a Hindu come to the altar... And we've literally seen a, a woman uh, with the, the jewel uh, in the middle of her forehead. And she came to the altar. Muslims come to the altar. Uh, people who have been demonized, uh, struggling with demonic activity in their lives and homes have come to the altar. Um, one thing I have learned is that when the altar call starts, and there's always an altar call in Trinidad. When the altar call starts, I start praying, Holy Spirit, draw. Holy Spirit, draw. And then I pray, give them courage. Courage. And I just want us to be to give you a little perspective, maybe, that you haven't had before. That it isn't always easy to get up and go to an altar. It isn't always easy to say yes to Jesus because people sometimes are leaving their friends. Sometimes they it means that their family is no longer going to talk to them. Sometimes um, it means that they're going to get ridiculed at work as soon as everybody knows. Um, there And there's a list of reasons that people struggle from getting up out of the chair and coming forward to say yes to Jesus. So what I want to do is give you a perspective that there is a spiritual battle going on and I want it to change the way you pray. When there's an opportunity for someone to know Jesus, do you know that the enemy of their soul is fighting like everything he can to keep them from saying yes to Jesus? And so I just, I just ask you to consider to really begin to battle in prayer for souls because it just isn't as simple as, let's just tell them about Jesus and they're gonna say yes. And we have found that in Trinidad many times, and yet we still find that Hindus are saying yes, Muslims are saying yes, people who have had uh, demons and Rastafarians and everything you can think of. Please know that the people here in your city and in your town that need to know Jesus it's not always a simple matter to them in their mind. So you want to pray for the mind of Christ. You want to pray for them to, to say yes, even if it takes a lot of courage for them to do so. God bless.
3: Thank you. Father, we just thank you for these next few minutes. We pray that your word will penetrate our hearts, alter our thinking, and give us new direction. In your name we pray. Amen. I have three things I want to share with you, and then I want to tell you stories about two churches. I want to talk about a new way of thinking. God is always moving us. He is always moving us. As much as we would like, we never stay in the same place, but God is always moving us from where we are to where He wants us to be. And an interesting thing about this is that the old way of thinking doesn't work with the new thing that He is doing. So as he is always moving us to the new things he wants to do in our life, it requires a new way of thinking. We can't think the way we did before. To move us into something requires a new way of thinking. The example is found with Israel. When Israel was in Egypt, everything about that time in Egypt was dealing with deliverance. Their prayer was, deliver us. Their spiritual encounter was Passover. Their obstacles were Pharaoh and the Red Sea. The miracles that happened in Egypt were for their deliverance. But when they crossed the Red Sea, something happened. God was moving them into something new. They'd been praying for this. They wanted this. But to move into the new thing God was doing required a new way of thinking. In the wilderness, everything was changed. Their prayer was, God, meet our needs. Their spiritual encounter was Mount Sinai. Their obstacles were their own past, because even though they were in this new place, they were still thinking like they did in Egypt. They're delivered, but they're in the wilderness, and they're saying, boy, I remember those meat pots and those leeks and those onions. Those had to be pretty good onions, because they said, we want to go back to Egypt. Their thinking was still the same. They were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. They also had obstacles of their enemies. They had obstacles of the promised land. The very promised land was an obstacle for them because they weren't prepared for that. And the miracles in the wilderness were for their survival. Now, when they came to the border of the promised land, this is what God had for them. When they came to that place, they sent in spies And they came back and said, it's an amazing place. Just like God said, but we can't do it. At least 10 of the spies said that. We can't do it. Their thinking was still a thinking of survival. Whoa. You want to help me? (laughs) No problem. Yeah, that's good. Their thinking was a thinking of survival. It wasn't a thinking of taking a land. And all they saw were the obstacles. And when they finally came to the promised land, the promised land was a land of victory. Their spiritual pr- their prayer was, Lord, lead us. Their spiritual encounter was Gilgal. Their obstacles were the Jordan River at flood stage. Jericho, the city with huge walls. And they also had an obstacle of follow-through. And the miracles were for taking the land. See, I think some of us we live based on our experience we've had with God in the past. But God does something new. He does something new in churches. Now, you have just witnessed one thing because you have a former pastor and a current pastor in the same building. God changes us even as a church. Nothing remains the same, but every time God produces a change in us, moves us in our personal life to something new, he changes the thinking that we have, because we can't think the same way we thought before. It just doesn't work. So there has to be a new way of thinking. He brings us to that place that we begin, I need someone to dress me here. got back, Good, 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 good. So he wants to change the way we think. And the second thing is this. God doesn't think the way you and I think. So if he's going to change the way we think, we have to understand that his thinking is not like our thinking. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we imagine, ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Paul could have said... He is able to do all that we ask or imagine, but that's not what Scripture says. He's able to do immeasurably more. King James puts it this way, exceedingly abundantly above. The New Loving says infinitely more. New American Standard, far more abundantly. You cannot think up or dream up or imagine what God is able to do. Now, This poses part of the issue. God's moving me from where I am to where he wants me to be. He's taking my family and wanting to do new things in my family. Some of us have dreams of what we'd like to have God do in our family. For us to get to that place, we have to think different. If you remain with the same thinking, you will always end up in the same place you are. Did you know, since there was just recently a huge lottery, did you know, 40% of all lottery winners within five years, end up in the very same spot they were before they won all the money? Because their thinking hasn't changed. If they had a poverty mentality, they have a poverty mentality with all the money. And pretty soon it's all gone. So if God wants to take you into something new, you can't have a poverty mentality. You can't have the same thinking you had before. There has to be a change. Because you can't handle the new thing that God's doing. It's what Jesus talked about, new wine and new wineskins. Because in the old wineskins, it just doesn't work. So God is taking us. He thinks differently than we think. You cannot think up or dream up or imagine what God's able to do. Our biggest issue is that we limit God. We think in terms of what we can see or what we can believe for or what we can ask for. So if the issue is finances, we're asking God to pay a bill. And I think God is saying, is that all? You mean what you're wanting for me to do is to pay a bill for you? He's the king of the universe. He says, all the gold and all the silver is mine. He says, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. It's all mine. And you're saying, can you pay this bill? He says, I want to change the thinking that you have so you can experience something new in your lives. So we look at the options that we can think up and we can't see any anymore. Now haven't you been there? You see obstacles and you think up every possibility of what could happen, how you can get through this. But I can tell you, when you've exhausted your options, God still has more. Because there's no limits with Him. He always has more. That's why God gives us spiritual leaders in churches. It's true. Because spiritual leaders in churches, part of their main function is to hear from God what he's saying for the church. Because everybody in a church, not this church, other churches, everybody in a church has their own idea of what a church ought to be like. It's true. I've been in church since I was two weeks old. I know what churches are like. Everybody has an idea. Well, I think this, I think this. But the issue isn't what we think, it's what God is saying for this church. It's what God's saying for your family. Somebody has to hear the word of God of what he's saying. There has to be somebody in the family that hears what God's saying for the family. Because beyond what we can think, God can do more than we can ask or imagine. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, a little bit more. You see, scripture tells us this in Isaiah. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He says, I don't think like you think. In fact, if you can think it up, it's probably not God. It's one of the ways I begin to discern if something is from God. If it's outside of my normal thought process, there's a chance this is God. Because my normal thought process is not within the thought process of God. And so when I find that God is coming up with ideas and speaking things into me that are beyond what I would normally think, I'm thinking, there may be a chance this is God. Because he thinks differently than I think. If we can see it, And we can see the possibility. We can see how to do it. We don't need God. If you can figure out your situation, find a way to figure it out. You don't need God. But God has solutions you've never thought of. And we need a God who is so big. And we need to be people that see things in a new way. That we open up our personal lives, our family life, and our church to possibilities we've never dreamed of. Because he's a big God. We need to change our thinking. And thirdly, we're blessed and highly favored. This is a term that's used all the time in Trinidad, blessed and highly favored. Can you just say that, blessed and highly favored? And highly oh, you got to say it better than that. you got to learn, learn. You can't say things like this, I'm blessed and highly favored. If you're blessed, then say it like you're blessed. I'm blessed and highly favored. Try it again. I'm blessed and highly favored. You're doing better. You're doing better. Ephesians 1.3 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It says he has blessed us. That's already happened. He doesn't say will bless us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has blessed us. This isn't future. It's already there. It's not someday I'm going to be blessed by God. I am blessed of God. I am highly favored of God. Now, where we live for the last six years, we find things like this on the back of taxis and on maxis, and people talk about it. We're blessed and highly favored. And they're speaking into their lives. I am blessed of God. I am favored of God. He has already blessed me in heavenly places. All the blessing and the favor is there every spiritual blessing. He has given you everything you need. Now, there's a way we think that has to be changed because lack and recession are not in God's vocabulary. Fear is not in God's vocabulary. God is not anxious about ISIS. Not at all. There has to be a change in our thinking. Our vocabulary, should, our vocabulary should not have can't. I don't have enough. If we were bigger or larger, if our church was just bigger, we could do this. If it was just larger, we could do this. If I had a better job, if we had more people, if I won the lottery, if we were like that church over there, if I were older, if I were younger, If I were richer, smarter, with more experience. God's vision comes with God's provision. If God releases vision in you, your family, your church, he already has the provision for it. It is not dependent upon what you can see. It's dependent upon him. So if it's dependent upon him, it doesn't matter what you have. Now, I have a few more things to say, but you got to catch this. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he fed the 5,000 with a boy's lunch. A few loaves, a few fish. It didn't matter if there was one loaf and one fish. It didn't matter if there was six loaves and one fish. It didn't matter if there was eight loaves and no fish. It didn't matter what it was. He can feed them with anything there was. With Moses, he he said, what do you have in your hand? It's a stick. That's okay. I can use it. And that stick ended up in the the ark. You go on beyond this and you find there was a lady whose husband had died, had all these debts. He was the son of the prophet. He says, I've got all these debts. The collectors are coming to get the money. I don't know what I'm going to do. He says, what do you have? She's coming saying, I have nothing. And he says, what do you have? He didn't say, well, tell me about what you need. He says, what do you have? See the change of thinking? She says all I have is a little oil. That's all. That's great. It doesn't matter what you have, but we think in terms of lack. God thinks in terms of that he's already blessed you. A little bit of oil. What if it had been something else? Well, there was the widow who was taking going to take care of Elijah. And she was preparing her last meal, collecting sticks to make the fire. To cook this last bread, she had no more, and she and her child were going to die. And the man of God says, would you give me some first? Kind of arrogant, the last meal. But you see, he understood God. And out of the last that she had, she gave, and it never ran out. What about Jesus standing there watching as they put money in the offering? Some of them businessmen were coming putting large sums in. This widow puts in two small coins. And he says, stop everything. They've put in from their excess. She's given everything she had. There's something about understanding, having our, cha- our thinking change, so we understand it isn't what we have, it's what he has. He's the one that provides it all anyway. Now, we could keep going with this, but there has to be a change in thinking. There has to be an understanding. He has everything we need, that he thinks differently than we think. And until that happens, we can't move into the new thing that God is doing. I want to tell you about two churches, and I'll show you some pictures. So you can start the PowerPoint. Two churches that have begun walking this out. These are two unlikely churches in unlikely places. Next slide, please. The first one is is in Barakpur, number four. And next slide. This is a church of about 60 or 70 people. And literally, the church cannot hold much more than that. Um, You might be able to squeeze 80 people in there. But I mean, this is a small building even. So in this church, six years ago, No one was getting saved. It had been several years and no one had been saved. They are surrounded by Hindus. These people, they viewed these people as unreachable. It was hard. They couldn't figure out anything to do. We can't reach them. They will not respond. They're opposed to church, which is true. Next slide. Uh, This is Pam preaching there. I think it was an Easter service. Next slide. Um, a change in thinking began to happen. And the change in thinking was so significant, and it was this concept. Where they were saying these people are unreachable, God changed their heart where now they say there are no unreachable people, there are no unreachable places. And now a community where they saw no one getting saved dramatic changes have happened because of a change in their thinking. Now they see opportunities everywhere. This is a church of 60 or 70. Every year they have a Christmas fair. This last December, um, they had, in five hours, they had over 1,400 mainly Hindus show up. They can't even do it inside anymore, so many. They literally fed over 1,000 adults, had 1,000 plates, and ran out. They, uh, let's go through a few of these slides. Next slide. Go ahead. Pam read Christmas Story to about 400 Hindu children, mainly Hindu children. Next slide. The, the kids are loving it. Now think about this. These are the people they said are unreachable before these are the people that had no interest in church, did not want to be connected with church, and now they're sitting there. The children love everything. Next slide. This is inside the church. Every one of the seats that would normally have people now have what you would think of food boxes. They call them hampers. Uh, it's a food box that they were giving away, drawings. So they probably had 100 or more of those, and these, are, these would probably cost... 50 US dollars a piece. And they they fed every person no charge. They gave food boxes. They paid for all the entertainment, the the groups that came. They gave toys. Go to the next slide. They gave toys to every child. Here the the children are coming in. Uh, Next slide. Um, Stop right there for just a second. They they gave toys to every child, snacks to every child. They have never run out of food. One year they jumped from 700 to 1,000. And I said, you planned for 700 people. How did you feed 1,000? They said, we pray over the food before we begin and we never run out. (laughs) Now, do you see that there's a different way of thinking? How can a church of 60 or 70 entertain 1,400 people, most of them, from a religious belief that's opposed to Christianity. You hearing what I'm saying? There's a change of thinking that took place in this church. They also, in Trinidad, it's very popular for churches that on Easter Monday, the Monday after Easter is a holiday, they do sports and family day. However, this church, because they changed their thinking, they said instead of doing sports and family day, Let's do a community sports and family day. And now, a church of 60 or 70, this last Easter, had 500 people from the community for a sports day. Next slide. They had DJs and music, free food for everybody, music all day long, people sharing their faith. Next slide. They had all kinds, next slide all kinds of events throughout the day. They had cricket. I, don't, I can't remember if they had soccer, football. Next slide. They even now, government officials are starting to show up, uh, members of parliament, because this is the biggest gathering of their constituency anywhere is at an event held by this church of 60 to 70 people. Next slide. Now, For this to happen, they had to realize their God is bigger than a church of 60 to 70. We should not be able to do this. But God had vision and he had provision. And every year they come up, they pay for everything. Everything is paid for by the time this event happens. God changed their thinking and opened up possibilities that they would have never seen. There's one man... There's so many dramatic testimonies from this church. One man named Hobson. He, his wife is a Christian, children were Christians. He was not. He was Hindu, and it was. He had uh, was blind in one eye. He prayed, didn't tell anyone, but he prayed and said, "God, if you'll heal me, I will serve you." He got healed. His eye was healed, but he didn't serve God. Nine years he went like that, and in 2012. He is coming home drunk, left his friends about one in the morning, getting home about about two in the morning, a Sunday morning. He puts his foot on the first step to go up. Jesus appears to him right there on the step and says, you've been running from me. Instantly, he was sober. (laughs) I think that's a good, yeah. He continued up. Jesus backed up, stopped him again, says, you've been running from me. And on that step, he yielded his life to Jesus. Goes up, wakes his wife up, and says, there's somebody I love more than you. She starts bawling like a baby. He goes, no, no, no. It's your Jesus. And wanted her to call the pastor at two in the morning because he wanted to give his life to Jesus. Now I can tell you this. Individuals in churches that change their thinking open up a limitless possibility of what God can do. I can tell you today, because we've had our interns involved in this church, every home in that whole area, every Hindu home in that area has had people from the church inside praying with them. One of our interns was just there. They would set up appointments, and she would go with someone inside these homes praying with Hindus for healing, for answers to prayer in their lives. They would invite them in. A change of thinking opens up possibilities. Next slide. Bayshore Open Bible. This is a squatter community. Um, Next slide. Bayshore, this is the the road. It was the old train line. So there used to be a train. You take the train track out. Where the train track was is the road. And our first experience coming in down at the other end of this, our first experience coming in, our vehicle was surrounded by eight guys. We saw a knife and we said, Oh, dear God, get us out of here. <laughs> and he gave us a strategy. We got out, we're safe. Two weeks later, the pastor heard about what happened and he invited us in. Exactly two weeks, almost to the minute, we were walking and praying on this line where two weeks before, eight guys surrounded our vehicle. Next slide. Bayshore is a place that is viewed as a hot spot. There's drugs, there's crime, there's common law families, there's unemployment. They sell drugs outside the church. Next slide. In fact, when we first went there, this is a squatter house. In fact, when we first went there, there were 55-gallon barrels blocking the road to come in. It's just wide enough for a vehicle, but they would block it. That would slow the police down. Now, but I can tell you, We have no issues. They don't do anything with us. Now, I don't know if they like us there or not, but they know we're with the church and we're helping children, and so they leave us alone. I can walk there at night without any issue. Um, But this is the environment. Ten years ago now when they went, it was very rough. But God has been altering and changing. And there's a principle this church has learned. This church has learned that light Pushes back darkness. Light always pushes back darkness. And I don't care where you are or where your church is, light always pushes back darkness. And if we as individuals and families and churches allow the light of God to shine, it will push back darkness. And you can talk about all the problems in the states right now, you can talk about all those things. It does not change this principle of Scripture that light pushes back darkness always pushes back darkness. And eventually, light begins drawing people to the light. And that's what's happening in in Bayshore. It's an unlikely church. It's an unnoticed church. It's a poor church. It was seemingly insignificant until God changed their thinking that light always pushes back darkness. A seemingly insignificant church until they realized light always Pushes back darkness. They began to see their community in a new way. They began to see themselves in a new way. They saw opportunities everywhere. Next slide. Children all over. Next slide. Next slide. This is the church. This is, uh, in fact, it isn't when we first came, but a little while afterwards. Originally downstairs, there was it was just wide open. Next slide. This was the inside of the church. The roof is, the, the ceiling is open. It's just galvanized on the roof. Next slide. You can see a little bit, you can see the beams for the ceiling. The, the walls, you can see the, it's not two by fours, I, you know, smaller than that and just the wall right there. But this insignificant church began to realize that they were blessed and highly favored. I noticed a change because the first time Pam and I had to come back to the States to raise money, the pastor of this church heard about it and said, We have to be the first church that supports you. We have to be the first church that takes an offering. That's a change of thinking. How could a church like this take an offering for us? They said, We have to be the first church that gives you an offering. There's a change of thinking. I don't know how many times people say, I don't have any money to give to anything. And this church said, we have to be the first. And it's become a missions church because of that. Next slide. So, this is now what this church is looking like. It's dramatic the change. They have beautiful wood uh, ceiling, they have multimedia, the projector and screen. They have air conditioning. It's amazing. I think there's clothes I've ruined preaching in there with no air conditioning. They're in Guyana. The floor is wood laminate. The, this, the walls are totally changed. The outside, that old plywood is down and now it's proper on the outside. It's amazing. And they're believing God for more because they believe the back is going to be finished the same way and it's going to be a computer center. The government has already donated the computers for them. This church. Does not do anything small. In fact, they also have window coverings that are coming. It's amazing. It's amazing. A change of thinking altered even what they were like. Next slide. Oh, we're in a squatter community, folks. They have crown molding. If you're blessed and highly favored, only the best for God. And one more and they have molding around the floor also. Wow. And we talk about things, you know, they could do something a little cheaper, and they said, "No, listen, we need this to be done right. Because part of it, they're setting a standard for this community. Setting a standard for the community. In fact, do you know what's happened? People have come to the pastor and said, you know, pastor, we're seeing what's going on with you, and we feel like we need to upgrade our house. We need to upgrade things. Now, all around, people are rebuilding homes because of what the church is doing. Next slide. In addition, they had a Sunday school for about uh, an hour a week with these children. Had a lot of children, 50 children or more. Probably more children coming than even adults. And they realized that the environment they're being raised in is so rough that, uh, I mean, we could talk about, there's abuse, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And an hour a week will not change these children. And so we need a kindergarten. It actually, uh, they can start from like three years of age, but we need a kindergarten that we can have five days a week with these children. And we need to have a place that is so different from the atmosphere around that when they come in, God can change their thinking. Do you hear it? Their thinking so that they will end up being different people. Next slide. This is in the squatter community, one of the nicest kindergartens, air conditioned. Next slide. Look at this. It looks nothing like the community around them. In fact, they come in, they have air conditioning, the, the curtains are pulled, they can't even see outside. And inside, there's a transformation happening. In fact, go back to the previous slide. One more. Shaping young minds toward transforming the community. If we can transform their thinking, we can transform their lives in the whole community. Okay, keep going. Next slide. Oh, one of our interns spent nine months working in this kindergarten. Nine months working there. Next slide. Oh, so Kathy, you know what this is? Yes, Rastafarian's. You know, Bob Marley, dreads, all that, counterculture, reggae. In the squatter community, there's a Rasta Sanctuary. I got invited in one day. Pastor's wife didn't even know if I could do that. And finally she said, well, you're an American. You could probably get away with it. And I went in. I told the pastor as he and I walked in, I said, we'll go in and get a tour, but we'll prayer walk. Next slide. Most white people never get to see this. Next slide. Next slide. This is a former high priest. He's now one of my friends. His name's Stryker. Um, I have now prayer walked inside this Rasta Sanctuary so many times, I can't even count. Every time we're praying, Lord, every place we put our foot, we're claiming it for the Lord. Did you know Rastas have a a belief system that it's the white man that keeps the black man down. They like us. They like us. This is one of my friends. Next slide. He even likes some of our interns. I'm telling you, how does this happen? But light pushes back darkness. This little church that looks so insignificant is having such a significant influence on the community. It's even affecting the Rasta community. I've been invited now more than once to one of their big feasts and, um, and I don't know if the Lord's opening this up what that's going to be like but I have seen a dream or a vision of myself with a musician and sharing kind of like Paul did on Mars Hill to people that believe so differently. I don't know if it's going to happen but you need to pray for this. Next slide. Is that it? The, some of the things that happen... This church is now, they so believe that God has given them opportunities and this community is theirs. They now prayer walk once a month. The church meets and then dismisses early and they go out and prayer walk. Five drug blocks in the squatter community and they prayer walk every one of them claiming them for the Lord. An insignificant church has altered things because God has altered their thinking. They realize they're blessed and favored of God and that light always pushes back darkness. God wants to do something new in you, in your family, in your church. For that to happen, it always requires a new way of thinking. And my challenge for you is to let God come in And change you from the inside out because once that happens, everything you see will be different. Can we pray together? Father, we come before you right now. You're king of the universe. You're not swayed or stressed by the things we find in the news. You're not panicked over an election or over terrorism or ISIS. You're not panicked over who's president because you're still king of the universe. And Lord, we want to come before you because you have everything we need. And we want you to alter our thinking as a church, as individuals, and as families because we want to walk in your favor and in your blessing. We want to see you take us to places we have never been. We want to see you break cycles in our lives. And Father, we want to accomplish this coming year more than we ever dreamed possible because that's the kind of God you are. And as individuals in a church, we just present ourselves to you right now. We say, God, work in and through us. Break off old thinking. Change us from the inside out. Break off a poverty mentality, a mentality of insignificance. And let us realize we're children of the Most High God. And light always pushes back darkness. Cause us as a church to realize there's no unreachable people and no unreachable places. In the name of Jesus. Before I turn it back to Pastor, just while you're praying, Pam talked about people coming to know Jesus. And I think one of the greatest miracles that happens is people that one moment don't know what's going to happen when their life ends to suddenly being at a place that they're in relationship with the king of the universe. I talked to a particular religious group, took them out to eat, and they said, I'm going to live the best way I know. When I come to the end, I'm going to hope I'm going to go to heaven. The significance is that when we belong to Jesus, the apostle Paul says, our citizenship's in heaven. John wrote that these things are written so that you might know that you have eternal life. And this God we're talking about walks in relationship with us. And so in just a minute, I'm just going to invite you, if you're here and you need to have a relationship with God, I'm going to give you that opportunity before we turn it back to pastor. So would you just close your eyes? Father, in these moments, You know what's going on in people's hearts and lives. You know people who have come as visitors, people who have come, that come all the time. But Lord, you know inside those that would say they know they're not ready to meet you. They know they're not walking in relationship with you. Holy Spirit, just touch hearts. If that's you and you know you're not in relationship with the King of the universe, if today were your expiration date, you know heaven wouldn't be your home, and you want to change that today. Would you just raise a hand and I want to pray with you? If you're here and that's where you are, would you just raise a hand? And we want to pray with you that God will transform your life. Is there anyone, is there one person that would say today is that day for me?
1: We're gonna Go back into worship here for a second, but before we do, I just wanted to um, thanks so much, Mike and Pam, for coming and sharing and changing the way that we think. And we're gonna take an offering for them and just um, and bless them. Um, and um, as as we do that, just ask the Lord, Lord, what can I what can I give to them to bless them? And then we're gonna open up the altar. Also, um, maybe some of us are in that rut. Where we need to change the way that we think, change the way that we're doing things so that we can get to that promised land that God has called us to be in. So I'm going to pray really quick, and then the ushers are going to go forward, and Kelly, if you can just lead us here. Lord, we just thank you so much. Thank you for the, the man and woman of God that you sent us this morning. Lord, and uh, in the, in the word that you put inside of them to change the way that we think. Lord, that we are already blessed beyond everything, Lord, and I just pray that in this time, Lord, that, that uh, you bless both the gift and the giver, Lord, as we receive an offering for them. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, change the way that we think, Lord, that we can be more like you. Lord, in your son's name.